Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. This idea of false prophets has been an issue within the church since before the church began. We read the words of Jesus from thousands of years ago, and he says, beware of false prophets. And he uses this example, and he says, they are like ravenous wolves. They're like wolves in sheep's clothing. And so he says, you must be aware of them. And he says, the way that you recognize them is by their fruit. So you'll know them by their fruit. A good tree can only bear good fruit. A bad tree can only bear bad fruit. And then he says, but don't worry about it. Those that bear bad fruit will be cast into the fire. You will know them by their fruit. <clears throat> Pastor Jay was sharing with me. He knows a friend uh, who is a hunter. And he said, wolves are some of the most ravenous animals that you can find. He said, what's weird about it is they, they, always, uh, uh, they can actually take out a whole entire herd they don't just kill to eat, they kill for sport. They actually go in and they'll kill one and then that's not enough. They just look for other ones to kill. Not that they want to eat these uh, animals. They just want to take down the herd because they enjoy killing for sport. Make no mistake, friend, when Jesus uses word pictures of animals, it's for a reason. Conversely, sheep, did you know that sheep are one of the only animals that cannot take care of themselves? If they're, if they're covered in wool, eventually they can choke themselves out because it just continues to keep growing. They'll overeat if you uh, allow them to. They need a shepherd to watch over them. They need a shepherd to take care of them, to protect them from the wolves. There's a sermon in there somewhere. Jesus is the leader of this church. It belongs to him. It is for him. It is through him and, and become of him and because of him. But he warned his followers that there would be people that would come into the fold of the sheep that would present themselves as fellow sheep, but in reality, they were wolves. And so he says to us, he says, beware of false prophets, beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. And that's the first thing I want you to get in your mind today is that as we, as his, as his sheep, we must beware. We must be paying attention to the fact that there are wolves that want to come into Christ's church and destroy it. And the first problem with false, prob- uh, false prophets in the church is that we're blindly trusting instead of testing. First John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. As Christian people, we are naturally loving and trusting people, but Jesus says, you know what? You've got to test the spirits. Just because somebody says that they're a Christian, just because somebody says that they're following God does not mean that they are. Beware of false prophets because they're going to go out into the church. The second problem with false prophets in the church is that people do not trust the pastor of their church. Now, if I'm your pastor, you should trust me. If you're watching this and you have a pastor, you should trust them. But it's a problem because people don't think that the pastor is actually trying to protect them. They think that the pastors are trying to hurt them. A pastor's job is to protect the sheep with God's heart. It says in Jeremiah 3.15, And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. A true shepherd, a true pastor loves his sheep. He loves them and he wants to protect them. But many people will not listen to their pastor when a pastor says, this person is a wolf. This person is a wolf. Stay away from them. A third problem uh, with false prophets in the church is that people don't pay attention. They're just not paying attention. They're like, woo. I'm just going along. This is all just great. Instead of realizing like in Jude four, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Friends, you have to pay attention to who's in the room. And I'm not talking about a witch hunt. I'm not saying that everybody is suspect. You just kind of have to pay attention. Now, for those of you that are like me, that are hypervigilant, there's not a room that I'm not in that I'm not paying attention to who's in the room. I always know where the door is and I always know who the wolves are. 
Because you never know how things are going to go down. But spiritually speaking, you got to keep that as well. You've got to think, why is this person in my life and what are they trying to do? Fourth problem with false prophets in the church is that people want to love people. And, and people say, well, loving people is a problem. Well, here's the deal, man. The Bible says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And, and so as Christians, man, we are called to love. That's who we're supposed to be. But, but we've all seen it in our lives is that because of uh, our disposition to want to be loving, we've loved people with false motives before testing their spirit and trying to figure out whether or not this person is of God. And then you end up seeing them do damage in the process. Amen. Loving people who are bent on holy destruction of Christians and Christ church. And so what do we have to do? We have to be careful. We must be diligent. Now, let me say this. We will, we will never stop all false prophets and wolves, but we must be aware of them. We must prepare and we must expel them from our midst. Now, I'll say something that some of you might find a little bit off-putting, but trust me as your pastor. Trust me as somebody who's been serving God for 30 years. I have never seen a wolf get saved. I haven't. I haven't seen a wolf get saved because a wolf is different than a dog. A wolf is different than a goat. See, Jesus said that there's going to be dogs and there's going to be goats. And then he also said they're going to be wolves. And the problem with a wolf is a wolf is, is, is a wolf in sheep's clothing. So they actually put on sheepdom, but inside they're ravenous wolves. And so what's hard about it is that they actually think that they're sheep. And you can't convert somebody to a sheep that already thinks that they're a sheep because inwardly they are a wolf. And so what happens is you get this God complex and you think, well, I'm going to be the one to save them and I'm going to be the one to help them and I'm going to be the one to love them instead of discerning and saying, you know what, man, I think this person might be a wolf. I think that might be a wolf in sheep's clothing. I just haven't seen a wolf get saved in my years of ministry. I've seen lots of wolves. And as far as I can tell what I've seen, they are still wolves. They've just moved on and try to take out more of the church. Now, the Bible talks about uh, different types of false prophets. And so we're going to spend a few moments talking about those. Now, in the New Testament, they talk about itinerant false prophets. And itinerant false prophets, these are the floaters. Uh, and, 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 and I don't know if you know anything about beverages, but you never want to drink a beverage that's got a floater. Now, these, uh, these floaters... Their resume looks a lot like a junior high dating record. They've been around Christianity for a while. They've been to many churches. They name drop. They say, oh, well, I know pastor so-and-so or author so-and-so. They share their ministerial resume as a cover for spirituality. They say, well, you know, I've led this thing and I've been in charge of this thing and I used to have this position at this church and, and, and they really only stick around the church as long as they have some measure of influence or at least they think they are. Acts 20 verse 30 says, also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves and that's what they do. These itinerant ones, they, they come into the church and they raise themselves up just long enough to draw people to themselves. And then they move on with these people and pull the, pull the sheep away from the flock. That's what they do. This has been happening for Christi- in Christianity for thousands of years. Other false prophets are apocalyptic false prophets. These are the ones that are always claiming dates and times of Christ's return. I will tell you, in my life, I have seen dozens of people that have predicted Christ's return. Surprise, I haven't seen one come true yet. Dates, times, hours, means, methods. I've seen it so many times, and a one of them came true. Not a one. Every single one of them are wrong. But these false prophets come in, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to hyper-spiritualize themselves to make it seem like they know something we don't. And so, and, and so they try to make you seem like you're not spiritual enough to have been able to figure it out. They claim to know when, they claim to know how, and they claim to know why Christ is returning. Even worse, they, they claim to be Christ. There's some of those floating around. You can get on the internet and find there's a guy in Siberia, there's a guy in South America that claimed to be Jesus. Don't follow those people. Matthew 24, 4, and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Let me, let me say this categorically. Do not listen to anyone who gives you a timeline of Christ's return. 
If anybody comes to you and says, God told me this is the year. Well, you know, 2022, and you take two and you divide it by two, and the three twos add up to a six, and you divide that by two, that's Father, Son, Holy Ghost with the three. Midterm elections, come on, how can you not see this? Mark 13, 32, Jesus said this, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. So let me understand this. Jesus doesn't know when he's returning, but you do. Help me understand. It says no one knows, not even the angels, not the son, only the father, but somehow you figured it out. You figured out when Jesus was coming back, when Jesus couldn't figure it out. But you, the wolf, do. Here, here's, a, here's another false prophet. is pagan false prophets. Now, now, these ones are usually easy to spot, but without discernment, you will miss it. Now, <clears throat> it says, Second uh, Peter 2, 1, but there are also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destu- destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves uh, swift destruction. Now, here's what's hard. Listen very closely, is that I talk about false prophets within the church and, and you forget that in this uh, day and age in which we live, we, you can read a book, you can look online, you can see videos, you can go on someone's Twitter or on a Facebook or all these other things, and people are bent on destruction, introducing false heresies that are trying to sway you away from solid doctrine. Yeah. It's what they do. I mean, they're, they're, here, let me share with you one of these tweets, because I, I really want you to know, I'm not going to tell you their name because I don't want you to read their garbage. And this is somebody who's got, you know, tens of thousands of followers on Twitter. And they said, how many times does Jesus have to challenge the Old Testament for people to understand that he didn't agree with all of it? Y'all really think Jesus wouldn't be challenging some of the New Testament too if he was living today? Man wrote the Bible, not Jesus, not God's Holy Spirit, man. There's tens of thousands of these nutballs of stuff. But what happens is that you read that kind of thing. You're like, man, maybe Jesus didn't read the Bible, read the, uh, write the Bible. Maybe Jesus didn't agree with the Old Testament. Maybe he wasn't agree with the New Testament. And then all of a sudden, everything is suspect. Everything is almost like, well, you know, I read this uh, tweet and it kind of changed the way in which I viewed the world. See, these false prophets deny the deity, lordship, and primacy of Christ. They bring Jesus down instead of lifting him up. Let me, let me give you an example of, of, of paganism. Paganism is denying orthodox. Orthodox is right and true central things to Christianity. Jesus Christ is God. This is central to what we believe. Mormons do not believe that Jesus Christ was God. And so that's a destructive heresy. And people say, well, that's rude, pastor. Why are you calling those people out? Because I don't want you to be led astray to believe something that's not true. Jehovah Witnesses do not believe that Jesus Christ is God. That's a destructive heresy. And so what happens is that these little paganistic things, and here's what happens, is that people will say, like, oh, it's not that big of a deal because they don't understand what's being introduced into their mind. They're not being uh, uh, cautious about the things that they allow into their brain. It produces pagan teachings and spirituality, Eastern meditation or universalism that says, you know, there's more than one way, like yoga. When people say, oh, pastor, you're always banging on yoga. Yeah, because yoga is evil. That's why. It's a religion. And people say, well, you know, it's just stretching and I like... No, it's not. So just roll with me here. I I have a few letters after my name. My whole entire job is to keep you from not following Jesus. Like, that's my job. I am fully consumed in it. I say to you, don't do yoga. It's evil. It leads to destruction. And you say, well, you know, I know more than that guy because I stretched and it felt well. Like your, your, your lived experience does not trump the word of God. Yoga is Eastern mysticism. It is. And I'll have somebody send me an email this week about Christian yoga and I will delete it and say it doesn't exist. It's like Christian Buddhism 
or, or people that want to do this whole like making people laugh, barking, naming of spirits. Like what, what, there's, everything isn't a demon, man. Sometimes it's because you're a jerk. But, but people get this hyper sense of spirituality and these false prophets that want to act like they're super, super like hyper spiritual. People's like, oh man, this guy needs demon, demonic deliverance. Grab a bucket, get a rope. Let's have a service. And you're just like, what? I just pray for him in Jesus name. Watch what happens. But people get so weird about it. Like, have you ever heard this joke? Um, do you know how many Pentecostals it takes to change a light bulb? It takes three. It takes one to do it and two to pray over the spirit of darkness. Like it's, uh, it's just dumb. Right? <laughs> Believing in crystals and rocks and special prayers and trances. Like, you gotta pray this way. If you don't pray this way, then Jesus isn't gonna answer your prayer. Like, it's not some morbid game where God sent up there rubbing his hands together, like, oh, you didn't say it the right way. No, no blessings for you. I mean, and I would name out some of these more people, but I don't want to give them any more notoriety than they need. And I don't want you to, I mean, I don't understand why these Facebook pages with these nutballs have tens of thousands of people that follow them. Like literally people that are like, have a staff and like, donk, donk, we call out the spirit of blah, 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 in Jesus' name. And people are like, hey man, this is so good. I'm like, what? Well, this is witchcraft. It's witchcraft. People say, well, you guys are trying to control what we think. And no, I'm not. I'm trying to get you to think what the Bible thinks. If you, if you don't get enough here on Sunday and you don't get enough here on Wednesday and you want even more Bible preaching and teaching, I've got dozens of people that I would recommend that you can go and listen to. Dozens. Don't, don't think just because somebody has a following on social media that they're in the truth. It's not true at all. These are false teachers of doctrine. These ones are a little bit harder to decipher because they use Christian language terms and they twist the scripture. It says, 2 Timothy 4, 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Now these ones, and this is what's really hard, pay very close attention to me. Listen, I'm protecting you. I'm doing everything that I can to protect you, okay? In these last days in which we are living, these false doctrines are coming forth even more than you've ever seen. And what happens is, is that these ones teach doctrines that seem biblical, but are not in line with the Orthodox. And Orthodox are historical Christian faith. Now, I don't understand, I do understand, but it's very interesting to me that these people that teach false doctrine, it always allows more sin, not less. It always requires less commitment. It always attacks the truth of the Bible. It always demeans the local church. Uh, it, it, it takes away requirements of discipleship and tithing and serving and fellowshipping and prayer and Bible reading. It, it always just kind of minimizes everything that we believe as Christians and says, well, this is a new revelation that Christ has given me. It's garbage. And so the Bible says, beware of these people. Pay close attention to who and what you're allowing to speak into your life. You don't have, if you get into a book and the first chapter looks like trash, throw it away. That, that happened to me uh, last year, back when we used to be able to go to the gym. I bought this book and somebody recommended it to me and I was on the Stairmaster. Hardbound book. It cost me $20. Crystal was on her machine reading her Bible, but I was not in the truth. And so... <clears throat> I read this book and I got off the stairmaster, or I was on a bike and I said to her, I said, man, this book is so trash. It's deceptive. And it was, I'd only gotten one chapter into it. We're at the gym and I just put it in the garbage right there at the gym. I didn't donate it. I didn't give it to somebody else. I was like, if I could get one less person to read this trash and I just threw it straight in the garbage at the gym. I was like, I don't need nothing to do with this thing. Pay close attention to what you allow speak into your life. If, if you know anything about me, if you learn anything from me at this church, I hope that when I die and you're at my funeral, you say, man, that guy wanted us to read the Bible. Yeah. God, I hope that that's just, I so desperately want you to know what God's word says. When you know what God's word says, it will protect you from so much nonsense. Because someone will say something, you're like, that's not what God's word says. Someone tried to bring it, that's not what God's word says. I'm sticking with God's word. That's what I'm going to do. If, so, if someone walks into this church and introduces themselves and says that they're a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, or apostle, 
I would encourage you to ask one of your fellow pastors at this church about that person. Be, be very concerned if somebody leads with their title. I, I, I've been a pastor uh, for seven, 18 years at this church. And I will tell you, most of the time, I never lead with my title, ever. I just don't do it. If I meet somebody out in the community, if they ask me what I do for a living, sometimes, sometimes if I don't want to tell people what I do, especially if I'm on a plane, it just gets so boring. If you say, what do you do? I say, well, I, I teach um, ancient uh, scriptures for a life change. That's what I do. <laughs> oh man, these are ancient, thousands of years old. But what I do is I extrapolate them and I t- teach people how to live by them. Makes it a little bit easier. I don't want to go through the checkout line and like, how's your day? I'm like, good. I'm Pastor Matt from Faith and Victory Church. I've been a pastor for 18 years. I could turn this milk into the blood of Jesus. How are you doing today? Doing good, man. How are you doing? Be concerned. Really. And so if you have a concern with somebody that comes into your life and you come to us and say, hey man, hey, I've been listening to this person. I've been watching this person. I've been reading this person. Or someone came into the church and said they, they were this. Come to one of your pastors. Why? Because we're your shepherds. We love you. We're trying to protect you from wolves. We're trying to protect you from false doctrine. And some people say, well, who are you to say? I am everything to say because I'm an under shepherd of the great shepherd. I'm the one that's been charged with the protecting of the flock. I'm the one that's been charged with bringing you blameless before Christ upon his return. You have not been charged with that. I've been charged with that. And I'm going to be held accountable to God for my doctrine and practices from what I bring to you. And I take it very, very seriously. This isn't some flippant kind of like making it up as it goes. This is a rot, like twisting, like I got to stand before God before what I teach you. And so just like I'd say to my kids, like, do not play with that person. I will tell you the same thing as a, as a sheep and say, you want man, do not listen to that person. There's nothing good. If you want more, I can tell you where you can find more people. I'll give you an example, right? Like John MacArthur, we kind of disagree on the gifts, but for the most part, the dude's solid. Like if, if you want to pull apart and he gets it wrong on the uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, but he's good. He's solid. There's nothing wrong with listening to a little Johnny Mac. You just kind of have to have a little bit of your filter on. I'm not against those types of people, but then you take an Andy Stanley that says, don't read the Old Testament. I'm like, stay away from that guy. It's just not good. That's bad doctrine. You say, well, you know, this church puts out good worship music. Yeah, but they also think that gold dust falls from the sky. Like... I'm not saying God can't do that. I just haven't seen it. And they're just kind of like, eh, and they get on top of graves and do grave sucking. Like that's not, eh, it's probably not that good to be around those type of people, right? So how do we discern? You will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. Verse 16, you, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. And James echoes this in 3.12. He says, can a fig, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Now, you can see the fruit in somebody's life. It's so clear. It's so clear when somebody's got the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 describes it. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there are no laws. So when you're looking at these false prophets, when you're looking at these wolves, when you're looking at at, at people that you're going to allow to speak into your life, the first thing you want to ask is, are they loving? Do they have love? Because if love is one of the fruits of the Spirit, love is easy to see on somebody. It really is. Like, does this person love all people? Or do they have, are they selective in their love? See, what I believe is that if you don't love everybody, you don't love anybody. Because then you're selective and you're loving. Do you hear that? If you don't love everybody, then you don't love anybody. Because then you're choosing who you love. You're saying, well, I love some people and I don't love some people. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. Is there people that they hate? Is, are they filled with joy? Do you, do you have more peace after talking to them? Or do you get this sense when you walk away like, 
gosh, I don't think I'm saved. Like, I don't think I'm spiritual enough. Like, this person made me feel like I was less than. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. That's, that's bad fruit. Yeah. Are they patient? Are they kind? Are they good? Are they faithful? Are they gentle? Do they have self-control? These, these are fruits that you can look in somebody's life because whatever somebody's telling you externally with their resume or their words is completely disconnected to the fruit in their life. It's literally like taking financial advice from a broke person or health advice from somebody that's got bad health. You just wouldn't do that. Why would you take advice on how to drive a car from somebody who doesn't drive? You wouldn't do it. Faithfulness. I think faithfulness is such a great indication of where somebody's fruit is at. Is their life a trail of broken relationships? A trail of broken relationships with churches and jobs? See, success leaves hints. Do they go around and they say, well, I've just been misunderstood or unappreciated at these past ministries and churches, but now I've been called to come and roam around your life and prophesy with no local church accountability whatsoever. If you believe in the Bible, you believe in the local church, you believe in having a pastor. And so if somebody said that they're a, a prophet or have a prophetic gifting and they don't belong to a local church, be concerned. Yeah, yeah. Be very concerned. There's this uh, one person that uh, Crystal and I have seen on the internet, and they uh, claim to have a prophetic anointing, and they it appears that they do somewhat, but this person has a local church. They have a local pastor. They have a pastor that they answer to. They don't, they don't just float around, and, and they talked about, it was funny, we watched this thing on Facebook where they were talking about how they had a local church, and all these people say, oh, you're a prophet. You don't have to have a church. You're above the church. You don't need to have a pastor. God speaks directly to you. You don't answer to no man. It's like, how does that work? I don't, I don't, I don't have anybody. I, I have to answer to people as well. I have elders that I have to answer to. No man is an island. We're all submitted to somebody. There's no special class of people that have no accountability to the local church. And you'll find the people that aren't accountable to the local church are usually the wonkiness. Let me show you. An, is that a word? Wonkiness. Wonkiness. It is. I made it up. Now, I'm going to read you a little bit from Jude, talking about these destructive people. Now, the first half, pay attention to the whole entire thing, okay? Because Jude is talking about these false prophets. He's talking about these people that come in. And he says, these are spots in your love feasts. While they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. These are those false prophets. And he describes them this way. He says, they're clouds without water, carried about by the winds, Late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up in their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Those are some word pictures, aren't they? Now he says this, now Enoch, the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000s of the saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among all who have their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now watch this. He, he talks about these uh, wolves and he says this, these are grumblers, complainers walking according to their own lusts. And, and, and these are the type that they always have a complaint about everything, right? And they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their ungodly, their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit these are grumblers, complainers. And, and so it's interesting, false prophets going back, itinerant, apocalyptic, uh, false doctrine. They'll come in and they begin grumbling and complaining about things in the church, walking according to their own lusts. They mouth great swelling words about who they are, flattering people to gain advantage. Oh, you're so good. You deserve to be led. You're not being led. Let me lead you. Jude described it and said, they're spots in your love feast. They're without fear. They're clouds without water. They're late autumn trees without fruit. They're wandering stars. Friends, don't ever trust a wanderer. Don't do it. There are exceptions. But you know what? I have met more of the norm that the wanderers cannot be trusted. And we've seen it many times. I love Jay so much. Uh, I remember years ago, when we we were doing it. We were, yeah. Dude, uh, we were, we were doing our, what is it? The 10 year anniversary. 
And we had pushed so hard for the anniversary. And this dude shows up, uh, never seen this guy before. And, and he comes in and he looks and he sees there's musical instruments. And so he goes back out into his car and I think he had a trombone and a shofar. And if you don't know what a shofar is, it's a big, dirty ram's head that never gets clean. And, and, and all these hyper spirits, like, and then they, and it's like, we're blowing the shofar and the Holy Spirit's coming. And like, and, and I was up in my office at that one, it was on the second floor and I was watching this thing, what happened. And then I was watching out the window and I saw Pastor Jay just go like this to the guy. And then he walked away. And so we, I went downstairs. I said, Jay, what was up with that shofar dude? And Jay was like, yeah, I just told him we don't do that here. He said, I told, I don't know what you think you're doing with that thing, but we, we just don't do that here. If you want to come, that's great, but we don't do that here. So him and his shofar went home and we never saw that guy again. He's wandered off somewhere else. Let me really step on some toes. These people that claim to be prophets, what's the fruit of their family? Now, now again, there's exceptions, but I've always questioned with somebody who says that they've been called to be a prophet since birth and has been walking with God for dozens of years. They, all the kids in their family doesn't serve God and they've been in ministry for 30 years. I should be suspect. People say, well, that's kind of rude, isn't it? Well, is it? Because this person says, I hear from God and I speak for God and God uh, uh, tells me what I need to tell other people. And I said, so you've got your family that has been with you 24, 7, 365 inside of your own house for 30 years. And every single one of your kids hates God and doesn't follow them. That's the fruit of your ministry. Well, my calling's greater than that. No, you know what? If, if that was the story of, of my life, I would look at it and I would say, you know what, man, I'm, I just don't think I'm good at this thing. I'd say, you know what? I, I probably shouldn't be leading other people if I can't even lead my own family. <laughs> Frankly, if, if, Gabe and, if Gabe and Faith didn't love the Lord, I would question whether or not I should be a pastor. Yeah. I really should. Yeah. And people say, well, why? Well, the Bible says, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? And so it's fruit, man. It's something you can look at in somebody's life. Again, there's always exceptions, but in my experience, this has been the norm. Let me, let me give some stuff to look for according to the Bible. Second Peter 2, 1, but there are also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them and bringing on themselves swift destruction. Let, let me, <clears throat> Let me make it as clear as I can. And, and I'm a broken record, man. I say the same thing over and over. We are people of the Bible. This is our doctrine. This is what we believe. This is who we are. This is what we follow. And so when somebody comes in and wants to lead you away from solid doctrine, they will lead you away from things like the inerrancy of scripture, the supremacy of Christ, the Bible being written by uh, Jesus himself. And so they want to lead you astray. Why? Because they want to bring you in destructive heresies. And here's where it ends is that if you, if you can believe some other destructive heresy, then you start to go down this path where then all of a sudden you don't even believe in Jesus. You're no longer trusting in him for, for salvation. Jude 4, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. If someone is telling you that something is okay and it's against scripture, they are a wolf. They're a wolf. And, and, and you've just got to have this mindset to be able to say, do you know what, man, I'm not going to be pulled aside and, and, and be devoured by a wolf. I'm just not going to do it. It says in second Peter four, three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And, and, and I, will t- I will tell you that, that you can go and find anybody that will teach you what you want to learn. Yeah. 
If there's some sort of weird doctrine out there that you want to fall into, there's probably a dozen people on the internet that will tell you and twist the scriptures and make you feel good about living in sin, but it's just not Bible. I'll I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I had a guy that came to me and he said, pastor, I want to marry this woman. I said, okay, is she a Christian? He said, no. I said, don't marry her. He said, what? Why would I not marry her? I said, because she's not a Christian. The Bible says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. The Bible says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? You know beforehand that they're not a Christian. They don't believe in Jesus. Don't do it. And he said, and I quote, but the Lord gave me a prophetic vision that I was going to marry her and she was going to get saved through our relationship. I said, well, that's not really Bible. He said, but well, you know, that's what God said. And then so I said no. So then he goes to another pastor who I happen to know, asked him, that pastor said no. So he went out and found a judge and got married anyway. Skip ahead. A few years later, marriage falls apart. Surprise, right? By that time, they'd had a kid and everything else. His wife messages me on Facebook. I literally didn't even know this person's name because I had never met her. I just told him not to marry. She starts sending me attack messages saying, you're ruining my marriage. You've destroyed my marriage because of what you told my husband. And I'm like, yeah, I told him before not to be with you. That's what I said. (laughs) Then I get labeled the bad guy because I'm sticking to God's holy word. I have a prophetic, he says, I have a prophetic gifting. God has told me something that goes contrary to the scriptures. No, he doesn't. Walks it out, blows up. Why? Because he wasn't hearing from God at all. Now listen, if you're not, I say that, now listen, I say that too much, but I want you to listen. I see your guys' eyes. Like you can only handle so much. You're like, it's close lunchtime. You guys like, don't miss it, man. All of this is important, but some are more important than others, okay? It is very hard to hold to the word of God in a world that wants to be accepting of everything and everyone. And, And what is happening right now, if you're not paying attention, is that you are being labeled as unloving and, and bigoted and all these other big $2 words because you are living according to the Bible, You've got to emotionally prepare yourself to allow people to call you something that you know not to be true because you choose to hold to what the Bible says. It's not unloving to hold true to the Bible. I I was talking to somebody this week about the alphabet people. And the alphabet people are the LGBTQIQI plus whatever people. I call them the alphabet people. Okay. And, and, and I talk about these people, not because I hate them, but because their doctrine is seeping into the church. And when you choose to not go along with it, that you're labeled as hateful and, and bigoted. Let me give you an example. Part of that LGBT, the B stands for two, right? By you guys all know what it is. I don't need to go into the details. There's not one of you in this room that would be accepting of me having a, a, a young man sit next to my wife. And have a little thing on the side and say, this is just what I identify as. Not one of you would. And if you would, change or leave. But none of it, none of you was like, oh, and this is, and this is because it's in the alphabet and it's fine. It's acceptable. And you're unloving by not accepting. And somebody said to me, well, if it's monogamous, it's okay. But no, 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 no. All of those things and the letters and they all mean different things. It's like, no. It's un, it's unbiblical and I don't harp on it to harp on it. I use it as an example of these destructive heresies that come into, uh, into the local church that are trying to destroy the foundations of who we go back to Ephesians five. I speak to you concerning a great mystery. This is Christ and his church. And, and really the end result is if you can get the alphabet people in with everything else, then all of a sudden I can't speak what I need to speak. We can't believe what we want to believe. They shut us down. God's removed. And then we become a communist. I won't get whatever. Do, pay attention, friend. Do you know what doctrines are coming into the church that can destroy us? There's so many doctrines that I I was thinking about it, you know, 20 years ago when I was in church, guys would stand around and talk about like projects they're working on at their house. Oh, I got a saw and the nails and you never believe what happened. That's what guys talked about. Now it's like, so are you taking the immunization or are you not taking the immunization? 
Because this is an indication of whether or not you're a Christian or not, is where you stand on immunization. What? I, I'm, where is this? I'm, I'm looking. I can't find it. Things like gun control and, and, and racial identity. Like, guys, some of the stuff that's coming out right now about racial identity is going to split the church wide open because it's unbiblical. If you believe in the Bible that we all came from one person, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning was the word, where's with God? Or not, that's John 1-1. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. Where There's only one race, the human race. That's it. And the Bible says that we're all sinners in need of a savior. Nobody is better. Nobody is worse. We're all equal before God. But there's destructive heresies that are going to come in and try to separate us. Gun control. There's no guns in the Bible. National identity. What it means to actually become a, a Christian becomes clouded when you don't let the word guide you. I want to know right now. Listen, where do you stand on the Suez Canal? Are you pro-dredging or are you pro-pulling? Lives are at stake based on the Suez Canal being blocked. And wherever you feel about it is an indication of your Christianity. It does sound stupid when you say that, doesn't it? It's like the same thing with masks. People are like, well, if you wear a mask, you're a Christian. If you don't wear a mask, you're a Christian. If you do or you don't, it's rather... Listen, man, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. It's, it's not an indication of your spirituality or walk with Jesus. You say, well, I, you don't like, I don't like wearing a mask. I just don't. I don't like wearing dresses either. I just, you know. You should see these calves, though. They rock, you know what I mean? Here's what's hard, and, and, and I make fun of it because I want you to really understand it, <laughs> is that people are using Christian terms... To get you to come over to their side of the argument. You're a Christian if you do this or you don't do this. What you believe about our southern border right now is an indication of whether or not you're a Christian. It's not. It's not at all. It's it's what you believe about Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's what you believe about his holy word. We're all going to have different opinions on it. Are any one of you down there, uh, you know, defending our southern border? Have any of you guys legislators? Or any, no, all it does is just seem to seep into the church to divide us and hate each other based on stuff that neither one of us are doing anything about based on where we're at in life. Don't let false prophets come into your life. Don't let these wolves come into your life and destroy what God has called you to be and do. Just don't do it. Because really at the end of the day, that's all they're designing to do is they want to split God's church open. They want to make us hate each other. They want to make us fight within ourselves. They want to demean Christ's church down to a level that we're no longer able to influence the world at all. So be very careful of these false prophets. Be very aware of who they are and what they're doing. And and when you see them, run from them. When you see them, label them. When you see them, don't encourage other people to stay away from them. Amen? Amen. Here's the last part of it, is that God is going to deal with them. God's going to deal with them. Like we as a church can look at something and say like, you know what? That's a false prophet or that's a wolf or we don't want that person to have influence on us. We can say that. But at the end of the day, Jesus says, you want the the trees that bear bad fruit are going to be cast into the fire. Now it doesn't say hell, but being cast in the fire does not sound like a good place to be. Amen. And so that will be the end of these false prophets. They're going to go into the fire according to this scripture and they aren't going to go away. This isn't something that we talk about once we solve once we never deal with again. This will be a constant barrage because whatever we're dealing with right now is going to be something different five years from now or 10 years from now. If Jesus tarries that long, uh, he said he was coming back in 2027. So um, you guys paying attention? Okay. <laughs> that was a test, you know, immediate application. I was completely joking, okay? It was a test, but you know, he said, wow. Yeah, that's exactly it. That should be your response. His response to his folding up your Bible and walking out, Okay. But the end result is that God's going to take care of them. And it's a sign of the end times. 
Matthew 24, 11, the many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And, and, and the greatest stop to this is knowing your Bible. Because then you can immediately identify it. You say, man, that's not Bible. That's not true. I'm not going to believe in that at all. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. Do not let anybody deceive you. You've got to take heed by staying in the word. Don't believe anyone that says that they're a Christ or knows when Christ is coming. Also, don't believe anybody who says my master delays his coming. Yeah. You know when people say, do you know when Jesus is coming back? Today. Yep. Yep. That's how we're supposed to live. Yeah. We should be ready today. He could, he could come back before the end of this service. He could come back as you were driving. Praise God. I hope he does. Amen. No one knows the day or the hour. So don't say, well, if someone says to you like, oh, you got a few more years. No, you do not. He could come back today. That's the only sure enough thing that we know that he can come back today. Now, let me end with saying this, and I want to make it abundantly clear. When I, when I talk about false prophets and uh, wolves, uh, it's an understanding that wolves come in looking like a sheep and we must expel them. We've got to be careful. It's this idea that false prophets come in and speak things against the scripture, but I in no way want to minimize the reality of the spiritual gift of prophecy. I believe in the spiritual gift of prophecy 100%. I believe that God speaks to men and women of God, and I believe that God speaks to us through people that have a prophetic gifting, and so we do not want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, because that's what people do, is that people say, well, it's too muddy, so we'll just say prophecy's over. I'm not going to do that. I've seen prophecy far too many times in my life come true, uh, and and so I'm I'm not going to uh, discount it at all. What I'm trying to get you to do is to understand the difference between good prophecy and bad prophecy to get you to understand between wolf and a sheep because uh, true prophecy is beautiful, man. I've shared with uh, many of you uh, a lot of the prophecies that I've received in my life. When Crystal and I were first married, um, <clears throat> we were at a church and somebody gave me a prophecy that I was going to go into the desert to be prepared for the ministry that God had called me to. This person had never seen me before in his, li- in his life, called me out in the middle of service and said, God is calling you to the ministry. You're going to be a full-time pastor, but he's got to pull you into the desert to prepare you for that. And then three years later, I literally went and lived in the Sinai desert for a year where Moses walked. I went, I didn't go to a desert. I went to the desert. I mean, you couldn't get a more specific prophetic word. Only 500 American troops go there a year out of a million soldiers. I was one of those 500 that went there. It's very exceptional. Uh, one time me and Crystal were at uh, uh, Dan's college graduation. Me and her just standing there. And this is back in like 2003, 2002, 2003. And we were just about to start this church. And, and we were afraid and unsure and not sure what God wanted for us. And this dude walks up to us out of nowhere. And he goes, I just couldn't shake it. He goes, but God just showed me that you guys have a pastoral anointing. He goes, I see it all over you guys. And I just want to encourage you that God has called you to the ministry and God is going to do great things with your ministry. And me and Crystal just begin to weep because it was like right then, right on time. And, 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 and many of you have, have, have seen prophecy come through, you know, it's seen it happen. There's people within this church that, that God speaks to like brother Richard, man, God will tell Richard some stuff and it comes to pass. You know, Crystal is, Crystal has had some prophetic words. Russ, Russ, if you ever want to hear Russ's prophetic word, it's a great one. It was real good. Jay's gotten prophetic words before. I mean, a lot of us have. And so I don't, I I please, I do not want you to come away from this and say, well, anybody that's got a prophetic, prophetic word isn't of God. You've just got to test the spirits, man. Second Peter one twenty one for prophecy never came by the will of man. Amos three, seven, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Joel two twenty eight that I will pour out my spirit on all fresh flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. First uh, Corinthians four eleven pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. It says, especially that you may prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14, 33, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort 
to men. Now, why did Jesus warn us against false prophets? Because he wanted us to know what true prophecy was. And true prophecy always leads you back to the Father. It always leads you back to Jesus. And so be aware of false prophets. Follow true prophecy that leads you back to Jesus because Jesus being the great shepherd wants to be your only shepherd because he wants to lead people to him and his word alone. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning and you are not a Christian, we would like to invite you to become one. And it's really quite easy. Either you've given your life to Jesus or you haven't. If you are a Christian or you are not. And it's very easy. The Bible says that if you would turn from your sins and turn towards Christ, you will be saved. The Bible says if you believe that Jesus Christ uh, can forgive you of your sins, he will forgive you and you can live for him. But it's not... It's not a superstition. Like you don't say, man, I want to, I want to be forgiven of my sins. And then you go back and you live your life. You say, I want to be forgiven of my sins and I want to live for Jesus. I want to be a Christian. And if you've never made that decision before, if you've never said, I want to be a Christian and today you want to make that decision for the first time, we want to pray with you. Is there anybody that wants to make that decision for the first time? You raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Now, we always like to ask, if you've been far from God, you're a backslider. Like, you know the truth, you've been in the truth. And I'm not talking about, man, I had a bad week, I had a bad month. I'm talking for years, you've been away from God. You've lost your way. You, you were raised in the truth, you knew the truth. Maybe you made a decision in church where you're uh, years ago, and now you're like, Pastor, I have been so far gone. And I've wanted to come back, and I haven't known how to come back. Friend, you, Jesus loved you when you were his enemy. How much more so now that he calls you son or daughter? So if you need to turn around and come back to Jesus, if you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, we'd like to pray for you as well. Is there anybody that needs to do that? You raise your hand and say, that's me. I see that hand. Now I just want to invite you that if you'd like to, you can come up and someone will pray with you. Let this be a moment. Let this be a time where you remembered what God did in your life. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but I always say if you walk up the front of a room full of Christians that do better out in the world that wants to destroy you. If you'd like some prayer, someone will pray with you. For the rest of us, this word is interesting. Praise God. of us, let's just pray God's protection and peace over us. Let's believe that he will help us discern by his word false teachings, false prophets. Let's stay true to Jesus and his word. Father, we thank you for your word, God. Thank you that you've directed us and guided us. God, thank you that you keep us in your, in your will and in your peace. Father, we pray that as we go from this place today, never forget that you are the true shepherd. Let us follow you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.